Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Thank you, Jessica, for that wonderful reading of scripture and Kevin for that great testimony. Uh, It is not easy to stand up here uh, and bear your soul. And so I just want to say again, thank you for sharing that, Kevin. My name is Brittany, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is so good to have you on um, our opening day of of The Edge. I get to do something I've always dreamed about doing, which is I get to pretend to be Oprah Winfrey for a minute. If you will just look under your seats, you have a gift. Uh, Sam Mercado, who is uh, one of the singers on our worship team, is uh, he has been in a band and he recorded a CD several years ago and um, for our opening day he wanted to offer that to you all as a gift from him. Um, he was not able to be here today um, so you should all check in on Facebook and like call him out and say thanks for the CD Sam because um, isn't that awesome? Thank you Sam. Yeah and now I've lived into my Oprah moment. I also want to just wish everybody out there a happy Black History Month. We are in a, a month where we get to remember um, the contributions of so many of our forefathers and mothers, um, not only in faith, but um, in everyday life, and, um, and also remember the sin of um, slavery and racism that we um, are still not rid of in our society today. Um, and so we celebrate black history, and we also remember um, the horror of our American past. And finally, I want to call your attention in the bulletin, uh, there should be a spiritual gift survey. Do you you all see that? It's not quite as exciting as Oprah Winfrey stuff, but, um, oh my gosh, you're here with the baby. (laughs) Um, Sorry, he's been in the hospital and is home. Uh, So the spiritual gift survey, I need to draw back attention. We want to know what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, and so I would invite you to fill that out. If you don't want to fill it out on paper form, there is a little, is this called a bit.ly? If I'm, yeah, and you can go to that and fill it out. Um, and we're going to use that as a church to be able to know your gifts and, and how you might be in ministry in this body. Okay, so please um, do it. Last week, somebody filled it out, and it was so exciting to see other gifts, and they forgot to put their name on it. So um, if you can just make sure you put your name on it, too, that'd be great. All right. So now, all these announcements out of the way, uh, I would invite you to breathe in with me, and as you breathe, remember that uh, God is always with us, and rock, the breath of God, is in this place. So breathe in and breathe out. Holy and gracious God, for the gift of these people gathered together to praise you and to learn more about you through scripture and through bumping into the people In this room, we give you thanks. Open our hearts and minds and souls to leave this place and have known you and met you and live into our identity just a little bit more. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I don't normally title my sermons, but I was feeling really inspired this week from a podcast I listened to. Um, And so I titled my sermon, and I want to share the title with you. It is called, uh, God Chooses the Rejected. And then the subtitle is, We Are God's People Called to a Bold Living. And so I have been thinking a lot this week about rejection and about being chosen and about having courage and confidence to live into that bold calling that, we, that, that God has chosen us for. And it reminded me of this great story I learned in seminary about a woman named Jarena Lee. She, in many ways, was rejected by society, and, and even in the midst of that rejection, God chose her and called her to preach. And because of this radical hope of the gospel, she was bold enough to live into that calling. So let me tell you about Minister Lee. She was born a black woman in 1783. And now this may seem obvious to state, but her gender and her blackness um, rejected, caused her rejection in, in mainstream society, right? She was cast aside as worthless. Um, even though she was born free, This was the reality of being born in 1783, much less today. According to her autobiography, she uh, went to live as a servant maid at age seven. And throughout her adolescence and into her early um, adulthood, she had a lot of suicidal um, thoughts and a lot of depression. One afternoon, though she was not raised in the church, Jarena Lee attended a worship service at Bethel Church in Philadelphia, which is where Bishop Richard Allen, the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, um, was preaching. And in the midst of his sermon, um, this powerful sermon that she heard delivered by Bishop Allen, she said she became filled with the Holy Spirit and within a couple of months had converted to Christianity. A few years later, in 1807, God began to speak to her and began calling her to preach. She said she would hear this voice telling her, go, go preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. I will put words in your mouth. And she was reluctant about this call because it was 1807 and women did not preach. So uh, she didn't say anything, didn't say anything. Eventually, she confided this, this inward calling that she had experienced to her mentor, Bishop Richard Allen. And Bishop Allen also then rejected her call and said, even though he had founded the whole Methodist movement, said he couldn't give her permission because, uh, to preach because it was against the rules of the church. You would think the founder would be able to change the rules of the church, but that's another story, right? He said he couldn't do it. She couldn't preach. There was a ban against female ministers. So Lee sort of put that call to preach aside, and she eventually uh, married her husband, a pastor named Joseph Lee. And they moved to what probably would be described now as the suburbs of Philadelphia, about six miles outside of the city. And uh, eventually she shared this call, this call that was on her heart to preach with her husband. And her husband also rejected it and said, you can't preach, you're a woman. He just discarded it away. So when he died about six years later, this desire to preach had grown even stronger. She was known to say, I love these quotes, she was known to say, if the man may preach because the Savior died for him, why not the woman? 
seeing as he died for her also. Is he not a whole savior instead of half of one? Isn't that great, right? She also reminded us, uh, Mary was the first to preach. So I should be able to preach, right? She, back in 1807, this is great. So eventually, um, a couple years later, in 1819, after, let me just put this, after 12 years of feeling this desire and this call that God had placed on her heart to preach, after being rejected and discarded, Minister Lee had her opportunity to claim this calling. This is a great story. There she is at Bethel Church, that original church where she converted, and uh, there was a guest preacher. And the preacher was going on and preaching, and suddenly he just became dumbfounded and kind of stopped in the middle of the sermon. It's like he forgot what he was talking about. And he was just standing there, kind of staring out at the congregation, not sure what to say. Sounds like a horror movie to me. And <laughs> Minister uh, Jarena Lee took it as her opportunity to, to engage in her call, and she sprang to her feet, and she started right where this, this guy had stopped, and she just preached the rest of the sermon. And it was great, and everybody loved it. And then she sat down and thought, oh, no, what's Bishop Allen going to say? I just preached. And she was nervous that she would be, again, rejected. But instead, he came up to her and he said, that was amazing, and I was wrong, and I now give you permission to preach. He changed the rules. And preach she did, y'all. For the next several years, she boldly walked thousands of miles on foot, sharing the radical hope of the gospel. And one year alone, I just, I, I mean, I would love to see a pedometer on her. And one year alone, she traveled 2,325 miles on foot and preached 178 sermons. I can't even imagine. That's like three a week or something, right? That's crazy. Maybe four a week. And through her bold living, thousands of people came to faith or were strengthened in their faith journey. The stone that the builder rejected had become the very cornerstone. God chooses the rejected. We are God's people called to a bold living. This is the reminder of our scripture passage that we have today. There's, um, if you look at it, you see all these quotes. There's so many Old Testament references about stone and building. And what uh, the writer of 1 Peter is trying to tell us is that Christ is the living stone. Not static, but alive, right? Not barren, but, but life-giving. Christ is the foundation and cornerstone of our faith. As we sing, on Christ the solid rock I'll stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. This is good news, y'all. Sing it like you mean it. It's good news. It's radically hopeful news. And part of the reality, though, of the Christian life is that we imitate Christ's life. So if Christ is a rock, if Christ is a living stone, then we are also living stones full of life and have the potential to be life-giving into this world. So this stone language, is, it's also about the followers of God who have been rejected, 
being reminded that we are also chosen and elect by God. The Christians in this church, and uh, they were in a way living in exile. Though they kind of lived in relative comfort as, as their comrades, they were rejected by the pagans that lived around them at the time. The pagans thought they were a cult. They didn't make sense. And for the Christians, the world that they lived in didn't make sense to them. It didn't seem um, to align with their Christian sensibilities. Does that sound familiar, y'all, in our current state of the world? We're living in a sort of exile that doesn't make sense to our Christian sensibilities. But they knew, and 1 Peter was reminding them that though they were rejected, God had elected them. God chose. God chooses the rejected. God claims and discard, uh, claims the discarded as precious children. That's what our scripture says. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own. That's what our scripture says today. Once you were not a people, once you were not a people, you were discarded and rejected, and now you are God's people. You are worthy. I want to I say that again because I think in our world of, of hard living, we are not vulnerable enough to let that sink in. Once you were no people, now you are God's people. And if we let that sink in, if we, if we can sit with the truth that we are beloved by God, we realize that with this good news comes a great responsibility to live boldly, to reach out and share with those who have also been rejected and harmed. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All so that we might proclaim the mighty acts of God who called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. Do you hear the responsibility in that, y'all? Sharing this good news, being rooted in this radical hope, it will cause our own rejection in ways, right? Those of you who marched in the Women's March a couple of weeks ago, those of you who went to O'Hare to be a welcoming presence for the refugees that were banned from this country, those of you that were down at the synagogue this week that had been vandalized and said this is not acceptable, you were boldly reminding this callous world that God's love cannot be thwarted or manipulated or limited to just a few. God chooses the rejected and the broken and the mistreated and builds them into beautiful glimpses of the kingdom. You are chosen. And you are called to boldly live into that chosenness. When we stand up and stand out for this radically hopeful promise of God, it's probably not going to be very popular. You're probably going to get some ugly comments on Facebook, right? You're probably going to have somebody tweet something ugly about you. Did you hear about that guy in Park Ridge that was awful about the Women's March? You're going to be rejected. You might feel a bit like exiles, and yet you will be doing exactly what God calls you to do. So the question becomes, can we be bold? Can we be bold, courageous, 
hopeful, full of conviction in this chosen identity? Can we courageously place our hope in a promise of a life that guarantees both threat and blessing? Can we, like Minister Jarena Lee, continue to have confidence in our call when we continue to be rejected? Can we know that God has chosen us to live boldly in the hope of this promise and invite others into their own acceptance? Those are big questions. This whole month, we've been talking about God's big mission statement, which if I were to say it really succinctly, is radical hope. It's a radical hope. It's a promise that God is bringing about resurrection through our work in this world. It's a promise that though we continue to mess up, God loves us and names us and claims us and holds us safe and then invites us to go out into the world and live boldly as if that promise were true. Last week, we talked about our mission here at UVC, which is to create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city. And we do that in three ways, by being bold, inclusive, and relevant. You've heard me say bold a lot today, right? That's not a, that is a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. (laughs) One of our values is that we have boldness. And bold means that we are boldly rooted in this gospel this life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. You've already heard me say that several times. But bold means doing things that might not work out and trying it anyway. Bold means experimenting and knowing that failure teaches us things. Bold means claiming God's love in a world that is often captivated by fear and indifference. Bold means having courage to name and claim God's purpose and call on your life against all odds and live into it faithfully. So how are you living boldly? What are you doing? How are you living boldly? I would love to explore that question. I don't have time to do it today. But what I want you to do is, um, if you're on Twitter, Will you send me, I'm um, at Brittany Isaac. Will you just like send me a message or a tweet that says how you're living boldly? I want to know. What are you doing that is living boldly? Because I'm sure you all are living boldly in some way. Will you do that? Will you promise? Okay, call me, right? (laughs) Please? Maybe it'll be an invitation for me to use Twitter more if you do that. The question I want to ask today, as we're thinking about being a community, being a church called Urban Village Church, and being a a particular iteration of that here in Edgewater, the question I have today is how can we live boldly at UBC? How can we continue to be bold as a church This boldness, this confidence, this risk-taking, it comes from this radical hope in the gospel message. One of the things I have realized over the years is that Urban Village Church is a church of rejects and discards. Think about it. Um, Raise your hand if you had given up on church before you came here. 
because uh, maybe they told you you couldn't serve in leadership because you were divorced, or because you were gay, or maybe because you were a woman, or because your beliefs were seen as too liberal. Really, raise your hand. Look at all of these rejects. And I mean that in a very loving way. <laughs> We're a church of people who have been rejected, and yet we have not given up. We continue to live boldly in faith and claim to anyone that we come across, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And so as a church, we have been proclaiming that message for years, inviting people in who have been rejected in their faith traditions. And we do that really boldly in our evangelism work. Uh, for the past four weeks and even before, uh, around Christmas time, uh, our, Jarell uh, and now Mohit are leading our evangelism team, and they have been uh, proclaiming this message. They have been telling people, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Now, of course, if you walk up to a stranger and you tell them, hey, did you know that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, they pr might punch you. Um, so they've been a little more subtle than that. Uh, they're hanging up posters in coffee shops that say you are loved. They, um, at um, Christmas time, they went on the train and they caroled and they passed out candy canes with a with, um, little message that said, um, you are loved at UBC. They've been handing out hand warmers by the train station. Unfortunately, it, they ended up doing them on like warm days. Who knew in January that there would be warm days? But handing out hand warmers with stickers on it that say, come to UBC. You are welcome here. They are boldly and creatively finding ways to communicate the good news of God's love. And today, we celebrate the launch of UBC Edgewater. Woo! For, for all of you that are here the first time, don't worry, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Because that's embarrassing, right? For all of you that are here for the first time, I hope that in this place, you find a community of people that certainly don't have it all figured out, but that have committed to try to grow in our love of God and neighbor and self, and have committed to try to do that in the messiness of community, where we know that there can be heartache and hurt, but also joy and connection. That's a really bold, bold move in a world of isolation, isn't it? And so I hope you find that, and, 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 and I hope you find welcome here. But I also think moving to Edgewater just in general was a really bold move. We moved from this low, pedestrian, quieter area of the city into the edge of vibrancy, pun intended. Thank you for laughing. Um, <laughs> I look out and I see people walking by regularly. 
there's businesses all up and down the street that are excited. Like I, we've had good conversations with them. There is a buzz and a hum that can only come by living boldly out on the edge. Laugh this time. <laughs> right where a cornerstone. If Christ is the cornerstone, we are a cornerstone, right? If we try to be like Christ, right in the cornerstone of this church. We are where we should be in the edge. We're on the edge of creativity and vibrancy and diversity as a community. And so I pray that we never lose this value of boldness. So I don't know why you came today. Maybe you just came because you saw the Facebook event. Maybe you came because it's what you do on Sundays. You come to worship. Maybe you came here today because you needed a reminder that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's own people. Maybe you needed a reminder that though this world says you are not a people, in this place you can name and claim that you are God's people. In a world of hate and indifference, in a world of rejection, this is a message that we cannot hear enough, y'all. I feel like I could just stand up here and say you are loved, you are loved, you are chosen, you are loved. And you are called to do something beautiful in this world, to boldly live into that message. So I pray, let us be bold as individuals with a calling and as a community of faith called Urban Village Church Edgewater. Let us be bold to live into the radical hope of our gospel and to bring that love into every area of our neighborhood and into this whole city. Because like Jarena Lee, God is calling us to it, even if it's not going to be easy, even if it takes 12 years or 20 years to spread that love. Because God knows this world needs bold witnesses, bold witnesses to the radical hope that God gives us in this world. So let us be that chosen people to share that message. Amen.